Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering low APR finance and deposit contribution across the 191 Renault range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Renault is. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat to come over the next couple of hours with very interesting people. And don't forget that competition. What a prize we have again today. A hedge trimmer. It's worth €295 from the wonderful Oliver Goff, Flower Hill Navin. And at the end of the week, someone will win. One of the winners each day will win the robotic Husqvarna Automore. So it's a gardening question coming up on the show after two o'clock. Stay with us for that one. We have a remarkable guest with us to open the show this afternoon. Afternoon. In her mid-30s, in 2004, she was diagnosed with MS and has had all the issues associated with it ever since. That's until now, because she's been away to Russia at the start of 2019. And I think it's fair to say she's returned a different woman. Well, has she? She's with me now to tell her story. Lorraine Murray, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I have to say, you're looking a million dollars. You're smiling. You're a picture of health. So there is a real good story behind you. Let me go back to that time, 2004, when you got the diagnosis. Well, how was your health up to, to mid-30s? Were you OK? Yes? I was never sick a day in my life. Never missed a day off work. Just totally, I was the, just the picture of health up until that one particular day, which was the 3rd of December 2003, when I took my first attack. So you it. remember that day as yes. if it was yesterday? yes. So that was 2003 that started this all off? 2003, I took my first major MS attack, as they called it, and I ended up in Daisy Hill Hospital, uh, totally paralysed down my left, sorry, my right-hand side. I couldn't speak, I couldn't talk, I didn't know where I was, I didn't know who I was. And um, my parents had been to a wedding that day so they couldn't contact them and they contacted my sister who was expecting at the time and she landed down and she was just totally gobsmacked at the state I was in. Um, They originally thought I'd had a stroke. Those symptoms you describe would suggest to me as well just that as you say them there. Yeah, they thought it was a stroke that I had um, but I was admitted to hospital and monitored over a period of days 
And as the days went by, I actually overheard the neurologist speaking to my parents outside and saying to them, look, we think there could possibly be a brain tumour, so we're going to send her for an MRI. But I knew it wasn't a brain tumour. I had a fair idea what it was. Did you even from then? Yes, because my granny, God rest her, had brought a magazine down to me and just by sheer coincidence there was a story in the magazine coping with MS. And you saw aspects of that story that was in that incident that you were after experiencing? I could relate totally to everything that was in that story. Now, that was the first instance. Was there more? You came out of hospital, I take it. I came out of hospital. uh, I was admitted to hospital in the September. I got, I think I spent five weeks in hospital at that particular time. I was out for a week and I was readmitted with an attack down my left hand side. So your whole system was... My whole system just totally crashed. Mm. Totally crashed. How long did it take to get a formal diagnosis? I was very, very lucky as in I got the formal diagnosis in February 2004. So that was the confirmation and that's where that year came in. But it started in 2003. Yes. How did your life change? How did it impact? You mentioned those particular incidents, which you obviously came through. But how were you affected by MS? Originally, I was affected by I couldn't walk. I had to use um, a walking stick to help me walk. Mm. Uh, I couldn't talk. I spoke with a slur, a total slur. Nobody could understand one word I was saying. Um, I totally got withdrawn because I didn't want to meet anyone. I didn't want to see anyone because of this. Um, I obviously couldn't work, couldn't drive. Um at basically anything that MS could bring, it took to me. So your life is topsy-turvy, it's on its head. All those things are not you anymore and you need help and you're in a difficult space. Now, you are a special needs tutor and I know you work for yourself as well. Yes. 2004, it's a few years since then, since the diagnosis were in 2019, you did make a recovery or did you learn to cope and live with it? Did the, system, did the symptoms ease? What happened? I was actually picked as a sick person to go to Lourdes in 2005 with Fahad Lourdes Invalid Committee. And at that time, uh, I was in a wheelchair um, being wheeled about Lourdes. I wasn't fit to walk long distances. And we were brought down to the baths. And I went into the baths and I got out of the baths and I walked straight up to the hospital and I seen my dad and one of his friends and I said to my dad, I remember breaking down in front of him and saying, Dad, I have an acre of pain. So I am a firm, firm believer that something happened there in Lourdes at that time that actually helped me get through them years up till to now. It's an incredible experience you're telling me about. Yeah, you may think it's crazy, but that is the God's honest truth. It was. I walked up. I left my carer below at the baths looking for me, and I walked the distance from the baths up to the hospital. 
and there was no way prior to that I w- was fit to to walk that distance. Have you a deep faith? I will be honest, I wouldn't go to Mass as often as I should do, but there's not one night I don't miss my prayers. Okay, so you are. You have a very, very strong belief. Okay, so that happens to you. You're here today telling us that that was a massive, a miracle you call it, if you you talk going in and out out of the bath, there's no medical intervention, this change happens in your life. But yet, you still have MS in the following years. Yes. Yes. But not to the same degree as those initial attacks that you experienced? No, a hundred percent not. I had a few aches and pains afterwards. I did have a few minor relapses throughout the years, uh, my last one being 2014. But everything was fantastic in life. 2011, I decided to set up my own wee business. I was fit and well and... Everything was great. But time rolls on from then. You mentioned that episode 2014. Here we are, 2019. And the story you're with us today to talk about is the one where you go to Russia at the start of this year in January. Yes. Obviously, you went there seeking treatment for a reason. Why? It Was MS, was it coming back at you? Were things getting worse? What? No, things weren't getting worse. Um... In 2016, I seen a programme on television, uh, Panorama, and it was all about HSCT, which is stem cell replacement treatment um, or therapy. And um, I had always had an interest in that. I had always said from day one, I have MS, but MS will never have me. And I always knew that I would find some way or some intervention that I would not be one of those people that would end up in a wheelchair or would be severely di- disabled by by MS. There was no way that was happening to me. So you had this feeling that this was coming back at you, that as years rolled by, you believed that you, you still live with it because you are an MS patient. You don't have the severe end of the stick, but you're living with it still. And you feel that you wanted this rid completely from your system. Is that it? Yes, Yes, I, I want. I I just wanted it gone. As I was getting older, um, I was going to bed at night, and I was kind of because I hadn't had a relapse since two thousand and fourteen. It started creeping back into my mind. Is tonight going to be the night where I'm going to waken up in the morning and I had a relapse during the night? Is this going to be the night? And silly wee things like that was just creeping back into my head. Um, No particular reason. No particular reason whatsoever. Um, And there was no episodes of... Uh, pain or no contact with people who had uh, severe forms of MS that you know that may have brought that back to me. It was just something that was just creeping That said to you again I need to end this for good. Get this off my health chart forever. Yeah. Yeah. So you go to Russia. You saw that Panorama programme and that made a big impact on you and you start making inquiries. This treatment, HSCT, you talk about, yes. uh, 
Not available in Ireland, no? No, not available at the moment in Ireland. However, I do believe that um, there will be trials done in Ireland, um, but I haven't a notion as to the dates okay. as to when the trials will be done. And I know it's in the UK, but you had this particular interest in this Russian facility and, and, and the the expertise there. Why? Yes. Uh, Dr. Federico, or Professor Federico um, is a world-renowned haematologist. Um, he has been performing HSCT uh, with patients uh, for 19 years uh, and since 2012 with international patients. Um, he's He actually has such a passion for his work. It is unbelievable. Uh, you would nearly have to meet the man to to believe what he is like. He has time for every single patient. Um, he actually has his treatment patent um, because of the success rate of, of his treatment. And did he understand your thought on this? Because Let's face it, you, you were coping well. Life wasn't too bad. You hadn't had an incident since 2014. When he, they did all the pre-examinations, I know you did a lot of Skyping and that before you went over there at the start of January. Yes. Was he happy to take you on to say, yes, we're going to go for this with you? He was more than happy to take me on. He actually seen me as an unbelievable patient because I had MS uh, for nearly 15 years and when I was diagnosed um, I had an MRI scan um, which showed 40 lesions on the brain and 6 lesions on the spine and uh, they done their MRI scan and it was a mirror image of my first MRI scan. So it was still there? It was there. The mark of it, the underlying... The mark was there, but every single lesion was inactive. Mm. They weren't active. Now, here's the thing. I was looking this morning at the MS Society in the UK and they talk about this treatment, HSCT, and they say it's really promising. It can be aggressive when you go through it. You're going to tell me about that, I'm sure, in a moment. And there is risk, risk of, you know, infections in the aftermath, perhaps a cancer slight risk there, autoimmune conditions, menopause, fertility. Did you realise all this? Oh, yes. I had been researching it since I seen the Panorama programmes and it wasn't something that I jumped into lightly. Mm. You know, it was something that I had researched thoroughly. Yes. I needed to know every single risk and I actually joined a forum in 2018 where I would go on and ask a few questions and gather up my information and I had piles of information before I made the decision that I was going to go ahead with with this treatment. Off you go. The 9th of January. You remember dates well. You remember that date back in 2003. You'll remember the 9th of January of this year when off you head to Russia. Now, you're there from early January into February with this whole process. So the first thing that happens is they harvest your stem cells. Yes, they actually mobilise. It's called mobilisation of your stem cells, whereby you go through um, three days of injections to mobilise your stem cells from your bone marrow into your bloodstream. And then they are harvested through the removal of your blood 
through a stem cell machine. Uh, so every ounce of blood is taken from your body. The stem cells are removed via this particular machine and then the blood is put back into your body with the um, with the MS stem cells with it at this point. Okay, so they go back in and they're there. Then they put you through chemotherapy. Yes. The idea is what? Four days of intense chemotherapy and the idea of the chemotherapy is to kill every single stem cell that is remaining in your body. Okay. Which leaves you totally immune compromised. Mm. It's a very tenuous situation. Isolation, all very important at this stage of it. Very, very important at that stage, yes. Another date, the 23rd of January. Transplantation day, as you oh call it. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was unbelievable, so it was. Um, there was so much activity going on in the room. There was doctors coming in. There was nurses coming in. There was radiographers coming in. There was, you name it, coming in. Um, and... It was just unbelievable and the stem cells were then removed from their container and put back in via the Hickman line, which was inserted into my jugular vein and down into the heart. I was looking at those pictures. Yes. (laughs) I had to look away for a minute, to be honest with you. It honestly didn't. That Mm. didn't faze me one little bit. By the way, you're some transformation. You're beautiful today, I have to say, and you're back to yourself. I saw the pictures of when you had the chemo and the hair went and there you were. But you had a brilliant um, makeup, hadn't you, on? You looked fantastic even without the hair. Who did that or how did that come about? That was me. Yourself? That was me. Yes, I was doing my Sinead O'Connor impersonation. You did, you did. Oh my God, did you look well. You looked really well. But anyway, you get the uh, transplantation and the stem cells go back in. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Hang there. This story is not complete by any means. Isn't she marvellous? Lorraine Murray with me on Late Lunch today. She's MS free and she's telling us her story. Lorraine Murray is with us on Late Lunch this afternoon. After transplantation day, you have a number of days, again, of very careful care in isolation. And this is so important in this whole process. Eventually, you're discharged on the 6th of February. What was that feeling like to walk out after such an intense month, you could say, more than a month? Unbelievable. The feeling, um, I can't put into words the feeling of, um, there was a feeling of sadness for leaving the hospital because the hospital is such a magical place. It really, really is. The nurses, the doctors, everyone really has a passion for what they do. So there was a little bit of sadness in leaving behind and leaving behind the group of people whom I had done the treatment with from all over the world. Um, But Inside, I can't. I can't put into words what it what it felt like. It was just. It was like a ton of bricks had just been lifted from my shoulders. I felt so light in myself. My heart felt lifted. My spirits felt lifted. Um, I felt a complete different person. And since then, since that time, that's early February. We're heading to the end of March now. How are you? How have you been? Is this a transformation? Are you different? I am completely different. Um, 
I personally think I'm completely different. I'm getting my confidence back. Um, a lot of people had said to me before I could talk for Ireland. <laughs> I can talk even more now. <laughs> Some people say I'm getting more like my dad. <laughs> Hello, dad. <laughs> hey, and you're doing something that a lot of women just absolutely are doing the opposite of. Tell them what you're doing. You're putting on a little I'm bit. I'm actually putting on weight and I'm looking healthy for doing this. I can verify this woman is looking so healthy. But I know what you're saying. This wasn't something you could do in the past, was no, it? No, I could not put on weight for love nor money, despite eating and taking protein shakes daily. I could not put weight on. And you're exercising again. I'm back exercising big time and I'm actually loving it. Uh, when I was younger, I used to run with one of your reporters here. Ruth O'Connell, yourself yes. and Ruth, I know a good friend. Yes, used to run together for Manpleasant and I'm back now walking and running on my treadmill and absolutely loving every single minute of it. And I have a little plan for the future. <laughs> and that's to run uh, a 5K with my gym instructor. Fantastic. Isn't that another goal for you to, to attain as well? Yes. So that feeling of MS being with you is gone. Yes, totally gone. I have not had that thought in my mind since I've come home. It has never entered my mind until you, you've mentioned it there. Medication was a big part of your regime before you went and since you had the first incident back in 2003, you are still on medication. I am still on medication, yes, because I had been on the medication um, for 15 years. Um, to come off it straight away would have been very, very dangerous and would have caused more problems than help, so to speak. So um, I was removed from some of the medication when I was in Moscow. Um, I'm still in contact with Dr. Federico. He gives you his personal WhatsApp number so you can contact him at any time whatsoever with any issues or any problems or he will message you when he thinks it's time to come off another particular drug. So I'm currently with uh, or doing a programme with my GP and Dr Federico to wean me off all medication that I'm currently on. So that's going to happen over a period of time? Over a period of time. It could be 12 months, but yes. I will get off all medication bar my supplements, which are natural supplements that everyone, everybody takes when they get to my age. <laughs> You've just uh, unfurled a lovely white t-shirt with a little pin on it as well and a saying on the front of it. Would you read those words that are on the shirt for listeners today please Lorraine? Yes certainly this was my saying and it was the group's little saying the devil whispered in my ear you're not strong enough to withstand the storm and today I whispered in the devil's ear I am the storm. <laughs> and that was the T-shirt I wore the day I had my stem cells put back into myself because that was the day I bet MS. What a brilliant way to finish your story today. You're remarkable. It's great to hear the transformation and what has happened to you. And I wish you well 
over the coming days, weeks, months and years. It's great to hear your story. Thank you for coming to us on Late Launch this day. And we want to dedicate this one to you as we head towards news headlines at two o'clock. I think it's appropriate. It's One Direction and Story of My Life. Lorraine Murray, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Stories that I can't explain I leave my heart open But it stays right here empty for days She told me in the morning She don't feel the same about us in her bones Seems to me that when I die These words will be written on my stone And I'll be gone, gone tonight The ground beneath my feet is open wide The way that I've been holding on too tight With nothing in between The story of my life, I take her home I drive all night to keep her warm in time It's Sometimes a sentence just captures it all or catches your attention. And this one did mine. Being a young woman in Ireland can be really tough. And those are the words of Tammy Darcy, who's founder of Shona.ie. And she joins me on the line. Hello, Tammy. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. That sentence alone got me inquisitive and starting to find out a bit more about you and what you do. Shona.ie, what is it? It's not just you, is it? It's mostly me, to be fair, but we do have a we do have a group of about 30 of us that work on a voluntary basis to, okay. to run the organisation. Um, but it, like, I'm the founder of it and it was, yeah. it was something that I've wanted to do for a long time and something that I thought somebody should do and then nobody did it, so <laughs> I guess I just... I Here just it is. Myself. Where it does is. the name come from, Shona? Because you're Tammy Darcy. Who's Shona? Shona is my sister. Um, she's a year older than me and um, we would have been very, very close growing up. But when we were teenagers, Shona was diagnosed with a brain tumour which left her acquiring 24-hour care and you know, mental and physical difficulties that she had as a result of that. So she's still in 24-hour care. She's 41. Um, but I think that for me, being able to call the organisation after her meant that, you know, it, it might sound silly, but it feels like we got to do something together and that she got to make an impact. Um, because it just really bothered me all the years that she was in a nursing home and kind of forgotten to the world. Yes, and it's a lovely, lovely way to keep her in focus. And as you say, that relationship and bond that you have and still have is alive and well through this. You hadn't uh, the easiest of of childhoods or uh, young teenage years yourself. At 14, you say everything changed. Yeah. Um, Now, 
you know, it was a very difficult time, but I think the, the whole point of me telling this story is the fact that it's not particularly unusual and that there's so many teenagers that are struggling with, you know, so many things. So for me, it was just that that year, the Shona got when I was 14, my parents went through a really difficult separation um, and, you know, our home life kind of imploded. Um, and then, you know, I was also being bullied in school that year. So I, I just guess I didn't feel safe or secure anywhere, whether I was at home or in school. Um, and kind of just really struggled with it and completely changed as a person over the course of a very short space of time as a result of that. You were a, an A student. You were flying in school. You were loaded with confidence and all that disappeared disappeared completely and I, and you know I now that I do workshops in schools it it tends to seem that that age for 14 13 14 second year in school is when a lot of girls change because you know they, they go from being a young child to becoming starting to become a woman and you know unless they're really guided well into what it means to be a woman or you know all the options that are available to them or how to take care of themselves or how to keep hold that confidence it tends to get knocked and it's a it's a regular occurrence and you know all teens boys and girls are having such trouble at the moment with mental health we know there's an anxiety epidemic um i think that's what we're trying to do is just to work with girls but for me i work with girls because i was a girl and i feel like that's where i can really understand and make a difference but i think that all teenagers really need a lot of help through that for me it was the fact that i went from an a student to a failed student very quickly but nobody pulled me aside and asked me what was going on or nobody tried to help me make sense of what was going on Mm. um nobody in my family had been to college so i didn't know that was even an option to me um and I suppose lack of role models and lack of security. What happens is that teenagers just go into survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you can't plan for the future. Mm. And, and as you say, that is a vulnerable age and it's good to highlight that this afternoon. But there's great outcome to this story because in your 20s, back you go. You achieve honours in your degree in human resource management, an MA in business and now studying for an MA in education. By God, you are making up for lost time, young woman. <laughs> I think I've caught the bug. I think I've caught the <laughs> education bug. And I think in any country, anywhere in the world, education really brings freedom with it. And, you know, I think once you start learning one thing and you have that growth mindset. And it was only when I started that education again that I really started reflecting back on things that I'd been through and thinking, well, how can I make a positive out of this? How can I turn this into a positive story? Um, because I didn't even know that was an option either. Yeah. To to have it not be for nothing, to have shown it in it not be for nothing and to have all those struggles that I had not be for nothing. And and actually, on a personal level, that's really important in terms of your own healing, you know? Yes. You know, getting, looking back on those times with, you know, you can nearly smile or, or, or think, well, God, if none of that had happened, I wouldn't be where I am now doing this job that I absolutely love doing mm. um, and have everything else that I have too. You say, and I quote you here, that your passion is to eradicate bullying and rivalry amongst girls and promote the fact that differences are what make us all special. Mm -hmm. You know, do you think it's worse with girls than boys? You know, this. I think it's different. 
and just to be very clear on that like it's not that I think that girls have it worse than boys but I do think that the messages that we get from the world about what it means to be a girl are different particularly with social media like it's a lot of blame to social media but I feel that you know girls and boys of that age they they treat each other differently girls tend to be a lot more psychological um, we tend to hold grudges for a long time there's a lot more exclusion um, like every time I do a workshop with girls or with boys I've done, I've done both I ask them you know do you think we treat each other differently and it's always a resounding yes mm. so you know I think that girls feel that they compare themselves to each other so they look at other girls and think she's smarter than me she's prettier than me she's obviously worth more than me and some like there's a queen in every class and sometimes that queen uses her powers for good and sometimes she doesn't and unfortunately it's mostly that they don't um but i think that bullying the reason why we deal with all of these issues is because bullying is a symptom of a bigger issue and i think if you can't channel your frustration or your sadness or whatever you're going through in a positive way it comes out in a negative way and like I would certainly have behaved like that myself when I was going through hard times and it was very rarely about the girls that I was taking it out on like she'd very rarely done well she'd never done anything to deserve it and where is it coming from where where do you track it back to in the individual that's the bully something in their life well, you know what? We can be both because, and again, I talk about this in my workshops, I was badly bullied. You know, like I used to hide in toilet cubicles every single lunchtime and break time. And there was one particular stage where my bully was waiting at the front gate of the school and I used to climb over the back wall every day to go home. Um, and I felt completely powerless. But because I was so frustrated, I definitely took it out on another girl that I've since reached out to and apologised too because she was just an easy target mm. and as I said it's this lack of control over stuff that's going on in your own life like I, I think hurt people hurt people that's like one of my favourite sayings yes it's when you're hurting that you take out that on somebody else when you're happy you don't pay any attention to what anybody else that's true it really <laughs> you know? is it really is it really is and it's it, like we can make this discussion as complicated as you want but I prefer to make it as simple as possible which is just that you know, when you're hurting and you don't feel under control of what's going on, that's when you have to control something and it's usually another person in some way, shape or form. And that's adults as well. You know, that's world leaders. That's, yeah, that's across you know, life. Exactly. A, yeah. You yeah. are so right. You've definitely uh, highlighted something significant today. So the key is to be happy. The key is to be happy and to try and find the positives in every negative situation. They're always there. There's always something to be learned. There's always like something that you can get no matter how bad things seem and I think I've really learned that myself is that all the kind of things that I would consider to be my strengths would have come from challenges or tough periods in my life yeah you take and the I really learnings. Wish somebody, I really wish somebody had told me that when I was younger. <laughs> That's a, a key point as well. Yeah, that they're sent to test, but the learnings from them, if you put them in your back pocket and carry them forward with you, they're such an ally, aren't they? They really are. Sure, 100%. Yeah, mm. I think so. And and you, 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 your business, you're out and about with schools all over the country, giving talks, helping, you know, telling your story, the learnings you've picked up as well. Yeah, so we do three things. Like I've done school workshops all over Ireland, mm. um, a couple in Meads as well. Um, up as, I'm, fr- I'm based in Waterford myself, but yeah, anywhere in Ireland I've been to. Um, and we have an online community as well for girls that, you know, once they've had the workshop or even if they haven't had access to workshop, 
the amount of stuff that we have on our website, we've got 30 ambassadors, young ambassadors from all over Ireland that share their stories that are like, there's nothing more powerful than a personal story to help somebody else um, get through their, their hard times. So we share stuff online, advice. We've got mental health professionals and GPs and teachers who write for us. And then we've got other stuff as well, projects to do with, you know, girls in sport, girls in STEM, girls in leadership, girls in all the areas that they don't necessarily consider to be options to them maybe for one reason or another yeah it's a it's a broad spectrum and you cover it on several uh, platforms and aspects there i really like you and i really love what you've just been talking to me about the last while as well and i encourage people to check it out shona s-h-o-n-a dot i-e all the information is there tammy darcy it's been a real pleasure and i know we've pulled you out of a busy day there to talk to us but it was well worth it i have to say well well worth it thank you Thank you so much for having me. Take Not care. at all. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Tammy Darcy there. She's a wonderful young woman and has come through an awful lot, I have to say. But if you have uh, teenagers, if you're a teenager listening to us today or you're struggling in any way or need a little bit of a, an uplift, go and check that out. Shona.ie. It, it really is worthwhile. The O'Reilly's fantastic Gaelic football club on the North Road in Drogheda are looking for individuals or acts to take part in their lip sync fundraiser for the club and abacus school for children with autism. The night itself is taking place on the 5th of May. It's a little bit down the line, but they need to line up individuals and acts. And if you'd like to become involved, you can call to the O'Reilly's this evening between 7 and 8 to register or talk to them about taking part. And again on Friday evening of this week between 6 and 10. And if you'd like more information, you can call this number after 5 any day, 041-9837132. That's 041-9837132. O'Reilly's lip sync taking place on the 5th of May, would you like to take part? They'd love to hear from you. Now, Louise, are you ready for gardening time on late lunch? This will be fun. It will? Uh, potatoes yesterday, the spuds question. Yeah, I never <laughs> realised potatoes were so complicated. <laughs> They're I, not complicated. You yeah. can either steam them, roast them, boil them, put plenty of butter on them, make them crispy. No, I know what you're saying. There are loads of earlies. And, loads. And I know the names of a lot of them, yes. but I don't understand that earlies and You'll be tasting a few from Kelly uh, PLC Limited Gardens <laughs> very shortly because my very early ones, you'd want to see them. There'll be flowers on some of the spuds in my pots in the next few weeks. Now, that is early because some people are only planting uh, first early potatoes at the minute. But there's first earlies, second earlies and main crops. Well, today, Louise, your little lesson is changing from vegetables to flowers. Okay. Okay. Do you know that there are different categories for the flowers that grow in general in gardens? Did you know this? Like the Latin names, is it? No, 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 no. no, This is an even simpler one because I want to make this very simple today. There are annual flowers. Do you know what annual flowers oh, are? Oh, perennials, is it? And annuals. Oh, and yay! <laughs> you see that? You do know a bit. You only My pretend that you don't know. Back. Yes, there are annual flowers. These are flowers that you put them in each year, put the seeds in, they grow and they die away, and that's the end of them. Then there's biennials. Biennials. They are two year ones. You sold them this year, they develop, but they don't actually flower until the Second year. Okay. And then they die off as well. Forever. And then, yet the God for good. And then, what you said there a moment ago, there are perennials that come up every year and flower, 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 flower every year. You just sow them, I'll put the plants in or the bulbs, and each year they just keep coming year after year after year. They're perennial flowers. So we have three categories, annual, biennial and perennial. Are you clear on that? Yes. 
Why do I talk about this today? I'll tell you why. Because we have the most fantastic prize again today. Just heard it there in the ad before we came back for Oliver Goff, sales and hire at Flower Hill in Navin because he's having a big, big week this week and a very special day this Saturday from 8 to 4. It's his Husqvarna open day. So you've got to get along there and check out what's on sale because he has the full range of equipment, I promise you. Now, Oliver has given us the most fantastic prize each day this week. You can win today on late lunch a Husqvarna battery-powered hedge trimmer. It's worth €295. Not bad if you have hedges to trim. And if you win today and each day this week, you'll go into the hat for the end-of-week prize. Listen to this. It's a Husqvarna Automore worth at least a thousand euro because it depends on the size of your garden so that's why louise i'm talking about annuals biennials and perennials okay be a very hard question to win all that this is not an easy question so folks you're listening you have to get the number first write this number down you have it if you enter often but if you haven't why not go for the first time you never know you need to whatsapp or text your answer to 086-1800-658 whatsapp or text 086-1800-658 you've got that right Here is the question. Which of these flowers is a perennial? Okay. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You can't answer because okay. you just got your lesson. I just get it wrong anyway. <laughs> and we don't even have an attempt at this. Else. You know, family and staff members disbarred. You know, as usual from competition. So here we go. Okay, so which of these flowers is a perennial? Is it a foxglove? A geranium? Or a peony? Which of those is a perennial flower? One that comes and grows every single year. Will I go again? A foxglove? A geranium? Or a peony for the hedge trimmer today, worth €295 from Oliver Goffs. What about that, folks? Get WhatsApping or texting straight away with your answer and you could be the winner today. 086-1800-658. Do you like flowers, Louise? I thought the last one was a beer. (laughs) (laughs) You're thinking of peroni. (laughs) I thought it was a trick question. That's our Louise. I'll tell you what, she'll tell you all about drink. Oh, that's for sure. You see the way she had that in her mind? Peroni. 
it's a trick question, Jerry. I love it. I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely love it. <laughs> On that note, I'll get my coat. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't get your coat. Stay there where you are. What about this story you've just handed me? You, you've given me this. You obviously know this. A mead shopper's bank account was, now this is serious, was cleaned out last week after scammers hit her through a fraudulent PayPal e- email, yes? Yes, yes. I, um, I contacted this lady last night and she was... She said, yes, she wants to get the word out there. She, um, it's called, it's a phishing email. Yeah. And she said she's normally really, really careful about emails and answering like that. But this one looks so genuine. Um, from PayPal. From pa- it, 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 it was purporting to be PayPal. And she yeah. thought it was a genuine PayPal inquiry, was it, or whatever, yeah? Yeah, she did. A transaction, yeah? And I think it, it, the email said, uh, dear customer, which... PayPal points out on their website that they never say dear customer, dear user. They always address you by your first and second name. Okay. So it said, um, dear customer, we have noticed that some data from your account seems inaccurate or unverified. You have to check your information in order to continue using the service smoothly. Uh, Please check your account information by clicking the link below. And she clicked. And she lost? She lost all that she had in her account. They cleaned her account. They cleaned her account. And they tried to get more, but she had a limit on it. They got that out of the account anyway. Yes. So please beware. We warn you today. She asked us to pass this message on. She just can't speak to us, but we said we'd do it for her. Thank you indeed. Amid, a listener to LMFM, had her account clean, cleaned out. PayPal, dear customer, if you see that, no, 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 no. They address you by name, first name and second name. And so- and just to say, Jerry, that on the PayPal website, they have a lot of um, tips and hints on how to avoid phishing or any scams. Okay, there you have it. Be warned. We tell you and uh, give you all this information on late lunch for your benefit. Believe me, the answers are flying into the flower question. Thank you so much indeed. We'll have a song. Well, we'll be having an old song, Louise, as we head towards half two. Up next on Late Lunch, it's Alan O'Donoghue on Parenting. I love this one. It's called A Thousand Miles. I wonder should she na- change the name of it to 1,609 kilometres? Because that's what a thousand miles is. It's Vanessa Carlton. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces path and I'm homebound. Staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making my way through the I miss you And now I wonder If I could fall Into the sky 
tell you, I sat in in a talk this guy was giving recently in St. John's National School to a group of parents, and it only reminded me how good he is. He's one of our regulars on Late Lunch, and I'm so delighted to have him back. It's Alan O'Donoghue from cacoaching.ie and helpmetoparent.ie. Alan, great to see you again. Good to see you too. That's a very nice introduction no, there. No, not at all. <laughs> and I mean it sincerely, because I do mean it sincerely. I happen to be there, and to see you in action is just really special, and you are top of your game. I want to say that again. Let's get straight to business this afternoon with the first question for you. My four-year-old daughter has got into trouble in creche on a number of occasions for hitting other children. The creche say they deal with it, but I'm worried that if I don't nip this in the bud, she will be aggressive when she's older and when she goes to school, she may get herself into situations that aren't good for her. I give out to her at home if it happens with our friends, but it doesn't seem to work. How can I get her to understand that hitting isn't okay and that ultimately she's the one that loses out? Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's probably tons of parents sitting there going, you've just described my child. And it's just unbelievable that it it is a regular occurrence because I suppose it's something that we don't necessarily think about. It's children are learning. They're just learning how to interact. And if you think about it, for a child that's four years of age, they've pretty much grown up where they are the centre of the universe. And then all of a sudden they go off to creche and it's like, hold on, I have to share I have to actually interact with other people and how do I do it? So the first thing I'd say is maybe take a little bit of pressure off yourself. This is a normal everyday thing that happens for people, right? Now, it doesn't mean that you say that it's okay for her to do it, but the first thing I'd say is we can catastrophize. So sometimes we can start to look at things and go, oh my God, she's going to be like this when she's 15 and she's going to be walking around the town punching the head off everybody. But there is this natural maturation process that we all go through. So I know I'm not the same as I was five years ago, Jerry. I'm going to assume you're not the same either. <laughs> I've never grown up, they'd say. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's that thing of just because the way things are now doesn't mean they're always going to be that way. And what I'd say to you is maybe there isn't something for you to do. If the crash are saying to you that, OK, we are dealing with it, we're making you aware of it, but we're actually dealing with it. And if they're satisfied that what that how they're managing it is is working and it's happening less and less and less, maybe it's OK to trust them on that. Because with a four year old, when she comes home from crash, she's not thinking about what she did four hours ago, five hours ago, and especially if you've been out working and she's going from creche to maybe grandparents and then home to you and you're starting to give out to her or trying to put consequences in place at seven o'clock in the evening, like it's just, it's not practical for anybody. The other thing I'd say is look at how she's interacting at home. So if she's hitting people, you know, with friends or siblings, that's where you can do something and manage it in the moment. Look at what the consequences are. So if you're telling her this is not okay, and it's not changing her behaviour, maybe you have to up the ante when it comes to the consequences. So what are the things that will actually work? Now, a lot of parents will say to me, Alan, I don't know what consequences are going to work, but it's about trial and error. There are lots of different things. Some people will be set against a timeout. Some people will say, my kids won't sit. But a lot will depend on you and how much time you can give to putting the consequence in place. So... You know, if people want a list of consequences, f- fire me over an email at alan at helpmetoparent.ie and I'll give them over a load of consequences that they can try and see. And some of them are very, very good because they're alternative. You know, things like if someone's having a tantrum, send them out to the back garden. Let them have the tantrum because if there's no audience for a tantrum, it gets pretty boring. You know, but it's, it's things where you're looking at what can I do differently. 
So. Absolutely. Very important. And that Alan is A-L-L-E-N. That's just it. to yeah, clarify. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> and help me to parent.ie. You won't get him with the ordinary spelling of Alan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for that, Alan. Here's one, and I'm springing, you, springing this one on you a little bit because it came to us earlier today. But here goes. Just prior to Christmas, a young guy called to her home demanding €500 in respect of a drug debt which he insisted my son owed. This came to light as a bolt from the blue and when I challenged my boy, he admitted he owed the money which I subsequently paid. He's 18 going on 19 uh, and in the middle of an apprenticeship but insisted he hadn't a problem. He's been out of sorts since and drinking quite a bit and a week ago we had another call from a different guy looking for €200 this time round which I again settled after he told me your son has a serious cocaine problem. He's still in the Nile and we simply don't know what to do or where to turn. Could Alan offer us some guidance, please? Very, very difficult, this one, um, for any parent. And it's something that I'm coming across more and more, where parents are getting people coming to the, the door. And sometimes they're getting extremely pleasant people coming to the door saying, oh, hello, Mr. or Mrs. Nice to meet you. Your son owes me this amount of money. And it's, it is such a bolt out of the blue. And especially if, if you've been unaware of your, your child being involved in, in, in drug use. And, you know, for a lot of teenagers now, there is a lot of availability for them to, to get involved in drugs. And they are getting drugs for free. But it's not for free, Jerry, as we all know. And somebody will come knocking at the door at some stage. So I'm sure there's probably lots of listeners out there saying, kick them out, get rid of them. You don't need that hassle coming to your door. But this is someone's son. And this is someone who actually cares about their son. So what I'd say is, one of the things that people are very scared to do is contact the Gardaí. Because what they say is, we don't want to get in trouble with drug dealers or anything like that. But you can you can contact the local Gardaí completely confidentially and they have special units set up to deal with people who are being intimidated for money. So go and contact your guardie. They'll meet you in a completely, you know, outside location if you need that help, if you're worried. Like if you're worried that your house is under threat. Absolutely. In terms of your son, you know, you have to start to decide when do we stop paying the bills? Because if you keep paying the bills, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stop. So at some point you're going to have to say, well, no, and you may not be able to. Like At some point someone might come in and say, you know, I've worked with parents who've had people come looking for three, four thousand euro and there isn't that money available mm. for them to actually pay it out. So they have to go start selling things. Like, that's not okay. Um, I would, you know, your son is saying here that he's not willing to, you know, that he hasn't got a problem, hasn't got an issue. It's clear as day that there is an issue. If he's not in a position to pay for his drugs, well, then that is something that you need to start to deal with. And what I'd say to you is maybe it's time to kind of sit him down and say, there is no option here. You need to go and speak to somebody because we cannot afford to keep paying out for you. And even if we can, we're not going to do it anymore because you need to take control of yourself. Now, he may not be willing to go for counselling, but could he go to, to maybe a life coach to get some guidance on how he might start to steer his life in a, in a way that he relies less on the drugs? And then he, once he gets used to that process, what he can do is easily transition into counselling for drug addiction. If so that's he may not be fully addicted or deeply hooked as yet, you're saying. No. That's a possibility. No, he might not. 
but we, we don't know. And like, ultimately, he's the one that has to realise that he has a problem. And he must admit it. Absolutely. And no, he might not admit it to you, but, it, but he has to admit it to himself that I've got an issue. Because, like, it's very easy to run up drug debt with cocaine because it lasts so little time and it's, you know, you're looking to keep using it on a night out and a night out and you can run up a, a debt very, very quickly. But at some point he has to kind of go, right, I can't have my parents paying all the time because maybe they will get to a point where it's like, right, pack your bags, you're gone, you're on your own. And all of a sudden, that's a whole new dynamic. But certainly I'd go and talk to the guards confidentially and then I'd sit him down and say, right, we've now paid over €700. Euro. It is time for you. We're willing to help you out to go to counselling or to go to coaching, whatever it takes. But you need to start to do something differently. You need to change it. And whether that's looking at changing your friends, whether that's look at starting to go to NA, AA, whatever it might be, you need to do something different because we are not going to have people coming to our door. And they, they'll be nice at the start, but very quickly they won't be nice, Jerry. And that's where things start to start happening to people's houses. So damage gets done, stuff gets thrown through windows, cars get done. This is... This is real. This is real for this person. And I really this is happening. Them. This is just not an isolated case, Absolutely you're saying not. to me. It ha- no. It's happening a lot over the town. I know a lot of people who've, who've experienced something similar where they are getting that knock on the door out of the blue. They Isn't it no terrible idea. for decent people who are law-abiding people, I'm sure, and parents and that, who've done their best all their lives and something like this visits your life that mm. you don't want, never invited in, didn't want? It must be a shocking scenario. Absolutely. And it is a shocking scenario, but you have to very quickly go... Well, it is what it is. Yes. So, you know, I work a lot with parents who, who will talk about their hopes and the dreams that they had for their children when they were younger and they don't follow that path. And that's, that's all well and good. But at some point we have to go, well, this is, this is where we're at and we have to deal with it and we have to manage it. And I'd certainly be looking at getting your son paying back the money that, he is, he, that you've paid for him, whether it's in €10 Euro a week instalments or €20 Euro a week instalments, that he starts the process of paying you back so that he's actually getting a reality check. Again, there's consequences, which is very, very important. Alan O'Donoghue is with us from cacoaching.ie, helpmeteparent.ie, and we have more questions that Alan will deal with after the break. It's a regular parenting feature in late lunch this afternoon with Alan O'Donoghue on the old chestnut. Well, you know, Alan, I, I just look at this one and I think, my God, again, this has to be something that's being talked about in homes across the northeast and beyond this evening. My 10-year-old son wants to get Snapchat for his phone. According to him, everyone else in his class has it and he just wants to be able to chat with his friends. I'm nervous about letting him have it as I won't know who he's chatting to or what they're sending each other. Should I just hold off or let him get it? The old chestnut of everyone else in the world has one. (laughs) It is, yeah, that's the they come to you, don't they? All the time. Every child. Everybody has it. It's amazing how they're the only ones on the planet that don't (laughs) Don't. have it. Um, it, Look, this is something that a lot of parents do really struggle with. Mm. And I suppose look, there's there's a couple of basic things to get out of the way. The for most social media now in Ireland, the 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 legal age for them to sign up is sixteen. So one of two things is going to happen if your child has Snapchat. One, he's done it and you don't know that he's lied about his age. Or two, you've okayed him lying about his age. Now, that might be fine for you and that's completely up to you. It's your own business. Um, but what I will say is that it's it's one of those things where there's a reason for this, right? Now, people will talk about consent for children, uh, children giving consent. But ultimately, we need to help navigate our children into 
the online world. And with providing them a 10-year-old with the facility to, to start to, you know, engage with his friends on online, that's one thing. But you can't control what other people send to him. So what I'd say to you is seriously look at, you know, is he getting enough engagement with his friends or meeting up with his friends outside that he doesn't need it? Two, if you're not comfortable with it, you don't have to do it. I say it a lot, Jerry. It's one of those things. All you need to worry about, any of us need to worry about, is our own little family. We don't need to worry about the rest of the world. So, so what what anybody else does? If it's not okay for your little family, don't do it. Don't give in to the pressure. If he is still giving out to you when he's 25 years of age about the fact that you didn't give him Snapchat at 10 years of age, <laughs> he's had a pretty decent life. Yes. Not a lot has gone wrong for him. Yeah. Right? So that's one thing. The other thing I'll say is that you are in charge of the decisions in your house. Like, it is your house. And ultimately, it's your device that you're letting him have. Right? But I think we need to start small and slowly build it up. Like, if the, if the law is starting to tell us that your child shouldn't really be able to engage with people on social media until they're 16 maybe we need to start to listen to them and kind of go okay maybe it's okay for us to say no and if that's your stock response the law says no so that's it I'm not going for it even like if you try to download Snapchat it'll say 13 plus he's 10 you can still use it yes. no you're not allowed and we're not going to lie for you but the other thing is if you decide to do it so there's a lot of parents it's, it's amazing Jerry. I think I'm going to say to you before I do so many parenting talks and so many parenting programs and everyone always tells me about all these kids in, in my child's class that have social media uh, and, they, and they have X, Y and Z. But no one at any talk or any course I give puts the hand up and says, my child at 10 has a phone. My child at 8 mm. has social media. So, but there are people out there, but you can get monitoring software. So it might cost you a 10 or a month, but it's worth getting because... You can see what's happening on the phone and that way you can start to talk to your child about anything that's coming up. So you might decide, yes, okay, I'm going to give it to him, let him have it, but do get the monitoring software and let him know that it's there so that you're going to be checking in to see if anyone is trying to send him stuff. Not about him, but send him stuff that you don't want him to Yeah, that's inappropriate at 10 years of age. And look, what would you spend a tenner on? A couple of cups of coffee? Absolutely. It's well, well worth it. Let's try and get another one in before we finish. My 11-year-old son refuses to go to school. He says he's really anxious, but can't give me a reason why. He says he's not being bullied, but I'm not sure that he hasn't been. He's always been a quiet child and could be easily taken advantage of. I'm really worried about him missing school. Any advice on what I can do? Well, the first thing I'd say is anxiety is a normal state. It's And right now it is the buzzword. I'm getting lots and lots of uh, children being referred to me with anxiety issues and severe anxiety issues. And it's almost like it's it's a cold or a flu or, a you know, an, an illness that if we take the pill, it'll go away. But it's just a normal, natural state. We all get anxiety and it's all right to tell our kids everyone gets anxious at times. It's about what we do and how we let it in, in, come in on top of us. That's what, what's important, what we do afterwards. So it's all right to let them know it's all right to feel anxious. It's all right if you feel nervous and start to explore what is it about school that's making you feel that way. Maybe he just doesn't understand what's happening. Maybe he's feeling stupid, whatever it might be. And try and delve in with him to see... What is it that he actually needs? So almost put it back on him. Now, he might say, I've no idea. And 
you may need to go and go to your doctor or go and speak to a, a professional and and that might be what your child needs so that, you know, there might be something going on from that he doesn't want to talk to you about. And that's all right too. You might have, there might be an uncle or an aunt that he he gets on really well with and they could maybe take him out for a day to, you know, see how he's getting on and is there anything that they can do to help him. But I'd also go and speak to the school and start to get an idea from them. Are they seeing anything that's happening? Because that might help you uh, come up with with a few positive ideas and sometimes schools have got fantastic ideas around how to manage things or how they can give extra support in school but that you can do the same at home as well so what I'd say is go and speak to the school sit down with your child because you know there's no point in you going along to him and saying look if you don't go to school you're going to get in trouble and then we're going to get in trouble because we'll have the educational welfare officer knocking on our door right if it's anxiety, it doesn't matter. The logic, you're not working on a logical level, you're working on an emotional level. And when we're under stress, the emotion will always overpower the logic. So he'll be sitting there and he'll listen to you and going, I fully agree with you. I absolutely know what you're saying. I understand. And then he'll go, get up the next morning and go to walk out and he'll be upset. And the emotion will come over and he'll just, he physically won't be able to move out of the house. And that's where you need to go and seek professional help. So just see what it is. Is it something professional? Can you and the school work with it together? And if not, go and get the help that you need. Excellent advice there, Alan, as usual. And you can find out more. And if you need any help, Alan is always available. There's two channels to getting to this man, cacoaching.ie and helpme2parent.ie. Helpme2parent.ie. And Alan will always come back to you and and respond uh, when you inquire to him. Alan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Lots of food for thought there from many parents with children and teenagers of different ages. And we'll see you shortly again on Late Lunch. But for the moment, Alan O'Donoghue, thank you so much. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Another McGregor stunt is the second retirement. He retired before and he came back. He's 30 now and he's retiring again. Good God almighty. Do you know, do they think we're stupid? Like, it's another... Uh, aim of the game is it the aim of the game to you know say goodbye and then oh he's back he's back and he's going to have a big fight watch this space it'd be great to retire retire twice wouldn't it wouldn't it just be great Mm. three times or four times anyway tell you the truth you see that MMA I wouldn't miss it I've never watched it I never want to watch it I know loads of people love it but it just does nothing for me to be honest with you and Kind of marmite, isn't it? Oh, God almighty. And McGregor, like, God, if he just go and behave himself instead of getting involved in all the shenanigans at home and abroad, maybe people would have a bit more respect for him, to be honest. And what about the tennis balls? Do you hear Michael there on the Aviva pitch tonight? There's talk that people are going to bring tennis balls and throw them. Jesus Louise, we can't <laughs> score with a full-size football. How in the name of God will we score with a tennis ball? That's all a bit of a racket, isn't it? <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs> the best woman for puns I ever met. Leave your tennis balls at home. Leave them with Tennis Ireland and for Wimbledon coming up later in the year and hope that we can put the full-size ball in the net tonight on a couple of occasions and get three more points towards qualifying for the Euro finals in a couple of years. Anyway, just want to mention that we've teamed up with Scotch Hall Shopping Centre in Drogheda all this week to find the best mum in the North East. Is your mammy the best Tell us. We want to hear from you because we have a great prize to give away this Friday on Late Lunch. How do you enter? Send us a video across our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp. 
or WhatsApp us your message. Send us a message or text us to 086-1800-658, nominating your mammy or a mum that you know best in the North East. We'll be picking her on Friday here on Late Lunch, thanks to Scotch Hall Shopping Centre. Listen to this. The winner will receive €300, a €300 hamper from Scotch Hall. It's a grand prize, so let us know as soon as possible. Now back to gardening time, Louise. Are you ready? Yes. For the uh, completion of the lesson. And it's (laughs) our decision. It was D. (laughs) There's only A, B, C. You're on the wrong competition. (laughs) I think you're uh, tuned in somewhere else at this stage. Anyway, the question today on late launch for the Husqvarna battery-powered hedge trimmer worth €295 from Oliver Goff on Flower Hill in Navin. Big week there, and especially this coming Saturday, their open day from 8 to 4. Check it out. There's loads of great offers on the full range of Husqvarna Automores battery equipment and petrol machinery. So the question today was a gardening one again and flower-related. I wanted to know which of these flowers is a perennial. Was it a foxglove, a geranium or a peony? And guess what? Our Louise (laughs) gave a clue. She mentioned an (laughs) Italian beer. (laughs) <laughs> which sounds like the answer we were looking for. Louise mentioned Peroni. <laughs> and actually, Peony is the answer we're looking for, the perennial. That was the answer we wanted, not the geranium or the fox club. We got loads of answers, lots of right ones. Others not so right picked the biennial and the annual one as well. Anyway, we've done the job, we've whirled the names and outs come uh, this afternoon as the winner. Martina Gorman from Marshallstown, Kilmessen in County Meath. Well done to you. Well You're done, the Martina. proud owner of a brand new Husqvarna hedge trimmer worth €295. Euro. And listen to this, you're in the draw with Bernard Skelly from yesterday for the brilliant prize at the end of the week, the robotic Husqvarna Automore. It's worth a thousand euro at least, depending on the size of your garden. Would you like one of them, Louise? Would you like that Automore to just send it out? I love that. Remember just watching it go go up and and down and up and down and cut the grass. Oh, listen, take the huffing and puffing and pushing out of it. Hey, question for you now. It's your peyotes. Yeah. Do you know which country is the traditional floral symbol of? No, tell me. There you go. Come on. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's China. Is it? Yes. Oh. And it's actually regarded as an omen of good fortune and a happy marriage. There you go. There you go. I knew none of that. You see, this woman yeah, knows know her something. stuff as well. Dr. Google, you can't beat it, can you? In time of desperation. Here, one other thing. Did, did, you, did you? No, you didn't know this. No, you did know it. You told me about it. Mr. Liam Gallagher has given the thumbs up potato crisps. It's official. They're the best in the world, according to Liam Gallagher. He sent it out to all his followers, three, three million, million of on them. Twitter. Where did this come from? Somebody I, ran a poll like we did a few weeks ago, yes? I think it was on um, a, some channel, TV channel over in England, and they yeah. put a pyramid of the, the best, their favourite crisps. Yes. And they kind of said, are we missing out? And he tweeted, um, Tatoes are the best crisps in the universe, the end. Oh, good man, And Liam. cheese and onion, he mentioned And it after. is our ones, because there is an imposter tater. You know those ones in the yellow bag? You'll get yellow them pack. up the road in Brexit land. Yeah. yeah. You know those well, ones. Well, he hasn't clarified those yet. 
Which one? Liam, but please we're, clarify. We're the, there um, is only one tato crisp. It's tato. our own tato crisp here in Ireland. Please clarify, Liam. Urgent, 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 if you're listening to us this afternoon. Anyway, up next. He's got free lifetime membership at Tato Park, <laughs> I'm sure, I believe. I'm sure he has. And a truckload of tato arriving mm. at his house, wherever that may be, in the next few days, for sure. We're going back to our childhoods shortly on late lunch. Yes, there's an exciting project. Well, it's exciting to us little children in here. We all are. The Museum of Childhood Ireland is looking for our help in Loud Than Me and we're going to hear more about it next. I'm sure an awful lot of people of an age have precious childhood memories possibly family keepsakes from a bygone era well the Museum of Childhood Ireland project would love to hear from you in late lunch LMFM land this afternoon Loud Me Than Beyond and to find out more what they're looking for and what this is all about I'm joined by its founder Magella McAllister. Afternoon Magella. Hello, Jerry. Thank you very much for having me on. Not at all. You're so welcome because we are all little children at heart, I have to say. And when we saw this, we were excited by it. Now, you've had this concept for quite a number of years. Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm going back a very long time. I always wish that somebody would do uh, an Irish full spectrum social history museum of childhood and it never happened Um, and I was always rather envious that other places and other countries had museums of childhood Um, but this will be the first time it's been done in this particular way as in the full social spectrum history of childhood so not just telling the good stories around childhood Mm. but telling all the stories around childhood and being very very true to that very core element Um, I suppose I'm completely and absolutely inspired by the amazing group of historians, um, Dr. Marnie Hay and all the historians at the uh, History of Irish Childhood Research Network. Uh, They have been doing amazing work uh, researching Irish childhoods for a long time now and presenting their papers. Um, And I suppose that's sort of the core element of this project is, is, is that it's Ireland, it's our history, but from a childhood, a childhood perspective. Yes, and and this is really worthwhile and special. And as as you say, it's the first time. And there have been many people, as you mentioned, some of the names there working in the field for a time. But you want to bring it all together now. So it is really it's sort of it's sort of almost like a campus with yes. a focus on childhood. Um, yeah, that, that's that's exactly exactly. So that's your ultimate aim to have a place that people can come and visit and follow the social history of Irish childhood going back to when? When would you see this uh, starting from? What years? Yes, well, what what we have really what we have decided on is from uh, is really from the late seventeenth century um, onwards. Yeah, um, so. Uh, I, I suppose, you know, why why do we pick the 17th century onwards? Um, now, this is in, in terms of the sort of the core permanent collection and, and, and the core element of it. The period from the late 17th and early, early 18th century saw the emergence of new ideas surrounding childhood. Uh, I suppose infant rearing and the role of parents in the development of their offspring. Uh, John Locke, uh, who uh, <laughs> from, from sort of 16... 32 to 1704, I think I have those dates right, first articulated the importance of infant rearing and the nature of childhood to the development of the individual and society uh, in his publication, An Essay Concerning Human Understanding. Um, There was a revised version in Dublin in, I think, 1728. So for Locke, the primary goal of parenting was to instil love, not just discipline, 
and the focus of child rearing shifted from punishing and disciplining the infant to educating and moulding the child's mind. So we have decided to sort of focus on, on, on that sort of early period up to the present day. And that will sort of be our core, the core element and, and uh, of the museum. Now, at the same time, uh, we will also uh, uh, have, uh, uh, I suppose, and, and a real sort of uh, sort of uh, interest for us as well as to focus on hosting frequent temporary exhibitions. Yes. Um, uh, these exhibitions won't be limited to focusing on the material culture even necessarily of Irish childhood. They'll include the stories of children and childhood from other nations too. And of course, the periods outside of the sort of the, the core, uh, the periods of Irish history outside of that sort of core element, the sort of 17, 1700s to the present day as well. Yes, interesting. Uh, so it goes quite a way back and right up to the present day. Now, I've, I've looked at some examples of, of, of what you've been posting and talking about. And there's one there about a, a a scrapbook from a boy in Dublin around 1917 who documented that pe- period with newspaper clippings from 17, 1917 up to the 1920s, a fraught time in Irish history. I, I, I cite that example because for our listeners today, what are you looking for? Well, OK, I was going to say that the example of that, that was a lovely scrapbook that came mm. to us through the, the National Library of Ireland. And I suppose you sort of think... 1917 to 1920 and you know a very exciting period in Irish history and a very interesting period and it's it's just it's just an ordinary boy a, a, a young chap called Shirley Lewis and you would think you know sort of post-1916 there might be some mention of the rising or something there as well but of course it doesn't it, it's it's a boy focusing on 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 newspaper clippings of sort of uh, British military figures and it's it's just it's completely fascinating. We have an awful lot of work to do on that particular scrapbook and yeah. and, and documenting the history and the social the social history of of that scrapbook yet. But for us it was it was terribly interesting because you have the scrapbook. It's a boy, he made it. It was something that was coming from a child. It wasn't something that an adult made for a child. It was something that the child made himself. So then I suppose the next step is it's the context in Irish social history in that period from 1917 to 1920. And then there's the his own story. So who who was Shirley Lewis? You know, mm. his family history. And then I suppose uh, you have uh, uh, you know, sort of all the, all the the possibilities that you can do for that in terms of you know looking at scrapbooking in general and everything like that. So there's an awful lot of work to be done in that yet. In that one example. Um, so for listeners today, if you have something from your own childhood or from your parents or grandparents that refers to a time, the scrapbook was only one example. If you had old toys, I'm just thinking of children, toys they may have played with, or if they've written a personal diary or things like that. Is that the type of thing? Yes. I mean, a personal diary, just that that would be just gold dust. I think that would be such an interesting yeah. thing. To- toys, yes, of course. Toys with a story. Um, I, I suppose, and this is just personally, this is for me, you know, I love to see an old teddy bear. Mm. But if I know the story around the teddy bear. So for me, it doesn't really matter that it's, you know, an expensive steif bear and it's very rare. And that's interesting just up to a certain point. But for me, it's the story. Who owned the bear? Did they get the bear for birthday presents? Did they get it for Christmas presents? Did they get the bear because they were going to hospital because they had measles? Or, um, you know, was it passed down through, through generations? It's that story that you're... And we're also looking at things like clothing and 
any material culture of childhood, really, any yes. material that relates. Uh, yes, and, and, and going back as far as possible, but even up into, you know, you talk about the war years here, the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you name it. Now, time is going to beat us quickly, so I want to get this out there. You want sure. to ask people in Louth and Mead today to help you. You want to establish contacts here, yes? Oh, yes. I mean, this is an an island of Ireland uh, uh, museum of childhood. Um, so the idea that we can sort of build up a network of people right through the whole country, I suppose, gathering stories in their local areas, that would be just uh, a wonderful thing to have. We already have people in Wexford and Wicklow who have actually started on this already. This is sort of a, the, the sort of the next stage for us. Um, and we would be so delighted. Perhaps somebody might volunteer to come forward and act as sort of the the, the focal point for to yes. gather in those stories. Um, and it really is just, yep, it, it would be wonderful um, if people... If people, and, and I'm sure there are people, this interest, and when they check you out, they'll find out more. How do they check you out? What's the easiest way to find out more about the project? Well, our Facebook page, the Museum of Childhood Ireland Project. Yes. Secondly, our website, uh, which does need to be updated. So, museumofchildhood.ie. Yep. Okay, so two good uh, methods and, there. Yes, two two good ways to get in contact with us. Um, okay. And we have had we've had such interest in 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 the museum, especially of late. I suppose as people are sort of getting to know what we're doing, and and we've sort of uh, uh, progressed the the whole project. Of course, for it. of course, um, and, and and not just from Ireland, but from all over the world. Yes, but we've had an interesting approach uh, regarding the museum, and we're presently uh, pursuing our options in this regard. Great, this is lovely to hear. To non-disclosure, but yeah, I understand. But we'll hear about that down the road again. I promise yeah, you. Indeed. Have to leave it there today. Thank you for joining me on the show Magella thank you very much for having not me not at all pleasure to talk to you take Thanks care yourself bye bye good luck with the project the Museum of Childhood Project Facebook check it out there folks that's a lot on late lunch for this afternoon and I think this is an appropriate one to leave you when we're talking about childhood and children it's Miss Candy Statton and young hearts run free ours will until 1.30 tomorrow see you then Sharing this one and only life Ending up just another lost and lonely wife You count up the years And they will be filled with tears Love only breaks up to start over again You'll get the babies But you won't have your man Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.